Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about faith. And as we are rapidly approaching Passover while we're sheltering in place, I can't help but to think about the original Passover when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, I'm not trying to be so bold as to say that the coronavirus pandemic that's sweeping the globe is anywhere similar to the Passover. I'm only drawing on the emotions of how frightening it can be in this time of uncertainty when death is all around us. How moments like this challenge our faith in a faithful God. This morning, if you will, I would like for you to take a narrative journey with me through the scripture as we follow the life of Moses, watching the beginning of his evolution of faith, leading to one of the most pivotal events recorded in the history of mankind. You see, somewhere along the way in Moses' life, he learned that he was a Hebrew by birth. So he would have naturally uh, gravitated towards uh, the belief uh, of the Hebrews. It wasn't uncommon in the ancient world for people to worship uh, the deities of their ancestors or their ethnic group. This is why in Hebrews chapter 11, we learn that by faith, Moses was, uh, when he became old enough, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Rather, he would have readily acquainted himself with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of his forefathers. As many of us could probably attest to, some of us went to Sunday school because our big mamas took us. Some of us are Christians because our mothers and our fathers believe that way. But what I want to talk about today is what does it take for our faith to grow past the faith of our ethnic group, of our parents, of our ancestors, and for us to experience the one and only true God of the universe, to move past religious activity and wishful thinking, to experience the knowledge of God and move ourselves into the position of, or move ourselves into a place where our faith can truly grow. In other words, can we learn to trust in the faithful God? Let's take a look at Moses' story and see what we can draw from his life, the starting point of his faith. First, a little background on Moses. You see, Joseph was an Israelite or a Hebrew, one of Moses' ancestors who saved Egypt from a horrible plague because God had given him the ability to do so. As a reward, the ruler of Egypt allowed Joseph to bring the peop his people into the land. Generations passed and Joseph's generation died off. Then the descendants began to prosper in, uh, and multiply in the land of Egypt. But consequently, God's plan for humanity was to grow and prosper. And the new ruler of Egypt had forgotten about Joseph, didn't know the history had transpired, and Joseph and that generation had died. And the Hebrews began to populate to a place where uh, the, the, the Egyptians didn't want them in the land anymore. Because they didn't know Joseph and what Joseph had did, Moses' ancestor had did, uh, they decided to oppress the Hebrews and to kill the male babies being born so that they could no longer populate. Then Moses 
was born and hidden into, uh, he was hidden until uh, he was old enough to not be nursed anymore and placed on a river in a basket. The ruler of Egypt, Pharaoh, his daughter would go to the river to bathe. Pharaoh's daughter had compassion on Moses when her servants found the basket in the river. And Moses' sister wasn't far off and she came to Pharaoh's daughter uh, as she was standing on the bank and asked, would you like for me to take the baby to a Hebrew lady to nurse him? And so Pharaoh's daughter agreed. And so Moses' sister ran and got their mother. And Pharaoh's daughter agreed to pay his mother to nurse him until he was old enough. And that's where we'll begin the story today. In the book of Exodus, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, When the child grew older, he brought <clears throat> when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. She had no idea how prophetic that name would be. And then one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that way and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. You see, Moses had a heart to help the Hebrew people in their oppression, but he had the wrong method. It wasn't God's plan to do it that way. When Moses heard of it, when Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Again, little did Moses know that <clears throat> this, was a, this was divine providence. While sitting at the well, Moses was presented with an opportunity to do good. <clears throat> At that well, Moses saved the daughters of the priest of Midian from being harassed by the other shepherds, and, and he drew their water for them. When they went home, they told their father that he had they told their father about what had happened, and he sent them to invite Moses for dinner. And in Exodus 2:21 it says, And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son. And he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. You see, the passion and the fire to rescue his people from the tyranny of Pharaoh seemed to have waned in Moses' heart. He didn't understand that our location doesn't change God's plan for our life. And so during those days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. They cried for rescue. They cried for rescue from the slavery <clears throat> came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered this, his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Isn't it just so good to know that God knows? Like we discussed last week, he sees and just because our request for deliverance is delayed, it doesn't mean that it's denied. And so while Moses was on the backside of the desert, God was listening to the cries for the children of Israel, the Hebrews. And so we need to understand 
that sometimes when God is delaying our deliverance, he could possibly be working on the person who will be a catalyst for your deliverance. Or perhaps you could be the person that God chooses to use. So back to Moses. He's in isolation, definitely socially distanced from his home, from what he thought his purpose was. In the wilderness, isolated, he came to the mountain of God. And now we're in verse three. I mean, now we're in chapter three, verse one. Let's pick up Moses' story there. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the Midian, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses would have become so intimate with who he was in this moment. He went from a position where he would have been in a position of prominence if he only had accepted it to what he despised in this world and to what was despised in his world, a shepherd. You see, Egyptians didn't like shepherds, but God has a great sense of humor in my opinion. He's about to take the things that were despised in Moses's world and turn them into a position of power. And while he's on that mountain, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. It wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. Just a few things uh, that these few passages have said so far. One, we see that God doesn't mind humbling himself for us. Of all the things God could have appeared as, he could have come as a flash of lightning. He could have come as a great uh, a storm. He came as a bush because he desires to give access to himself, to his creation. You see, Moses was a sinner, a murderer, but God is so gracious. Even when we're not pursuing him, he chose to pursue us and he chose to pursue Moses by manifesting himself in a bush. Verse four, when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. This also tells us that God is patient. Notice that God waited for Moses to turn aside before he spoke. And Moses had to make a concerted decision to turn aside. And when he turned aside, God spoke. So often we want God to speak in the midst of the distractions and he's simply waiting for us to turn aside. Verse five, then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. In all of this, God doesn't want us to forget that he's holy. And in verse six, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of your ancestors, essentially. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. One thing that that tells me is that Moses was only worshiping God because 
of his ethnicity, because of his people, because of religion, because of his backstory. How God was wanting him to have a different encounter. God was wanting him to know him on a personal level. God was wanting to call Moses friend. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. I don't know about you, but if I was Moses, my response would have been, Keh? Oh, sorry, no English <laughs> or whatever language uh, God was speaking to Moses in. I would have been like, no sabe. You see, when Moses decided to turn aside, it started a meaningful dialogue with God and the launching of a true and authentic faith in the Lord of the universe. Moses said, here I am. And God is waiting for many of us to say, here I am, Lord. You see, in this dialogue of saying, here I am, uh, Moses experienced God in a phenomenal way. God revealed some things to Moses about himself. God revealed to Moses that I am. He revealed who he is. Talk about dropping a bombshell. God revealed his heart, his desire for the people of God. God revealed his plan. It was a plan of salvation that would have seemed insurmountable. Verse 10, uh, uh, God says, I'm going to send you. And God's plan seems so intimidating. And then God revealed Moses' role in God's plan. And Moses was like, who are you looking for? Moses? Nah, uh, Moses ain't here. Nah, bro, you got the wrong number. And no, God didn't tell everything at once. The more Moses is persuaded, the more God reveals throughout the rest of this narrative Faith is built on steps of obedience. Faith is a journey. The challenge is we want faith uh, before the journey. We want it before the journey begins. Doing God's will inevitably brings challenges. But at the same time, it brings God's promises in the midst of those challenges. And so Moses presents five excuses. And we're going to talk today about those five excuses. That's 10. Five excuses. And God gives five answers showing that he's long-suffering. And I believe that as we look at these excuses, as we look at these challenges, we'll see ourselves in Moses. So going back to verse 10, Exodus 3, verse 10, he says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? 
verse 12. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. And so Moses came up with his first excuse. He says, I'm not worthy. And God's response was, I'm going to be with you, which makes you worthy. My presence is the ultimate sign for you. I want you to lead the people back to this mountain to worship. How about you? Is there something you've done or neglected to do that makes you feel unworthy? Know that God's presence is enough proof that he's more than enough for you. Then Moses came up with a second excuse. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me the self-sufficient, the all you need to me to be God has sent you. And so Moses' second excuse was, I don't know enough about you. We just met. I know you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we just met. And Moses is told by God, I will inform you. I will tell you who I am. A lot of us make excuses that I can't go and I can't be what God wants me to be because I don't know about enough about God yet. But we see here that God had been training Moses in the backside of the desert. God had been leading Moses and, and, and directing Moses before God even introduced, Mo, introduced himself to Moses. And many of us are scared like Moses. We're saying, I'm not worthy. And then we're saying, I don't know enough. And God is saying, listen, 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 listen. I confound the wise with the foolish things. You're more than enough because I'm with you. And Moses still wasn't getting it. Like many of us still don't get it. Then Moses asked God, what if they don't listen to me? And God says, I'll empower you. Watch this. Then Moses answered, behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. What if they don't listen? The Lord said to him, what is that that you have in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it to the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. Put out your, then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So that he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your father, of their father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has set up, had appeared to you. Can we pause there for one moment? I love this scripture. The, I, I love this question and dialogue between God because this can preach all by itself. This can be a sermon all in and of, to, all in and of itself. When God said to Moses, what is that that you have in your hand? He's essentially saying, 
that I can take the menial things and do extraordinary things with it. You see, the staff was significant of Moses's vocation. It was also what leaders held. And like I said before, the Egyptians despised shepherds, so he would have had a shepherd's staff or a shepherd's rod. And it would have been symbolic of his vocation. You see, Moses had spent a lifetime in the desert. From the time he arrived to this time, in this moment in time that he left, he was there for 40 years, honing his skills, watching sheep. You see, Moses has spent a lifetime preparing for this. What's in your hand? Because he was going to shepherd God's people through the wilderness. Now, God could have sent the king. God could have sent the nation to overthrow Egypt, to lead the, uh, to lead the uh, Hebrews out. But he chose to use Moses. And then he reminded him by saying, I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob. I'm the God that spends a lifetime growing people, grooming people to for the next step in my plan. In other words, he's saying, I'm a covenant keeping God. Earmark that thought in your head for a minute. God is a covenant keeping God. Down throughout the generations, he's going to keep his promises. And he's saying, Moses, you're going to uphold the promises of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Little did Moses know that he would be one of the most pivotal people in all of history. And God literally transformed Moses' staff, the thing that would have been despised in Egypt because Egyptians looked down on the shepherds into an instrument of God's might and power. Too often I hear people talk about their vocation, their jobs, their skill set like it's nothing. Because they can't wrap their minds around how God can use those things that God has given them for his glory. Because we're too busy looking at what other people have in their hands to understand that God wants to do something with what you have in your hands. God is essentially saying, you give it to me, what you deem ordinary, and I will make it extraordinary. I'll do extraordinary things with it. Some of the things that we have in our hands, we're just not willing to give to God. The business ideas. The nonprofit organizations, the after school programs, the ministry ideas. We're so afraid that we hold on to them because we think, well, people won't understand it, God. People won't like me, God. They'll think I'm doing too much. So what? If nothing else comes of this pandemic, we should be getting to the place where we have time to sit down and understand it's time to take our shots. Because many of us, we, 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 we started out having that security in that job and we didn't want to pursue our passion because that job was more secure. And now God is showing us that these jobs are drying up. Now, listen, I'm not telling you to quit your job. But what I'm saying, if your job is keeping you from turning aside and seeing what God would have you to do, you need to reevaluate where you're putting your priorities. And when Moses Drop the stick. He cast down the stick. Literally, he cast it down. He cast down his last sense of self-worth. He cast it down. And watch this. God turned it into something different and it startled Moses. 
between me and you, Moses must have been from the projects. Listen, we don't stick around to investigate. No paranormal activity. We don't need no run coordinator. The Bible said Moses got up out of yonder. But immediately, in Moses' moment of fear, God calls Moses to exercise faith. He said, trust me, Moses. Grab the snake by the tail. Now, I'm sure Moses in the desert, he's been there 40 years. He understood that what it meant to grab a snake by the tail. Listen, grabbing a snake by the tail is the worst place you can grab a snake. What I've learned, and I don't even handle snakes, is you go up behind them, right behind the head, and you grab them behind the head so they can't strike you. And so God told Moses, don't be fearful. Go and grab that snake by the tail. Some of us have to learn to trust God's voice even when we're afraid. Now you think that after grabbing a snake by the tail and it turned back into your staff, it would have been enough to settle it with God. But Moses still had a way to go. He still had to be convinced. Dare I say Moses still wasn't buying it. And I believe some of us are in the same place of Moses. Now we're at Exodus chapter 4. Uh, verse 10, watch this. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Lord, even though I've encountered you, I've noticed that you realize I'm not a good speaker, is what Moses is saying. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf? or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Moses was saying and arguing with God, I don't have the ability. I can't speak well. I can't. God said, I will tell you exactly what to say. Now go. Some of us are waiting on, on, I don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm just not adequate enough. And God is telling you to go, therefore, and make disciples. And then finally, Moses got to the root. They, we got to the root of the issue. Verse 13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. In other words, I don't want to do it. This is the brass tacks of it. I don't want to do it, God. I'm comfortable here. I done settled down. I done named my son Gershom. We good. I'm okay here. Now watch this. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad at heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. I want y'all to know at that moment that normal staff was transformed. Moses kind of got it at this point. 
And then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now, initially, I thought Moses was just being subservient and Moses understood authority and he was waiting for a blessing for his father-in-law. And that might have been a part of it. But here's the thing. Moses still hadn't fully trusted God because God had told him that he was supposed to go. He had given him the breakdown of all the things that he needed to do. And now Moses is saying, please let me go and see if. Moses was still on the fence a little bit. But his faith was growing. He was taking the necessary steps. And we'll see as he takes these steps, as he walks with God, he's growing in his faith. He's growing in his understanding of God. We just have to be like Peter last week. We just have to get off the boat. We just have to be like Moses. We, Yeah, it's okay to question and ask questions. But once we get the answer, we must move forward and we must go and we must do what God is calling us to do, church. And in verse 19. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking for your life are dead. Wait, put, wait, wait. <laughs> you couldn't tell me that at the beginning, God. You couldn't tell me that when the bush first started burning and that you told me that I was supposed to go back to Egypt. You couldn't have told me that the people who want to kill me were dead. You wait just as good until I make my mind up to go. Then you tell me that they're dead. You see, God is taking Moses on his journey of learning to trust him. What areas of your life today are you needing to learn to trust God? What are some of the things that you, you feel like God has spoken to your heart to do and you just quite haven't did it yet because you think you got time and you think that God wasn't serious about it? What are those things? Are you working on them? A lot of us are resting at home now. We got plenty of time on our hands. I, I see plenty of people talking about what should I watch next on uh, Facebook or, or I mean on, no, on Facebook. What should I watch next on Amazon Prime or Netflix? What's a good show? How about you take one of those shows? How about you take an hour out of one of those movies and start praying to God and asking God, what would you have me to do? Because if the scientist's calculations are correct, this thing is going to slow. We might eventually get back to life as normal. And we won't have this time again. So while we're being reset, why don't we say, God, show me? Because as Moses stepped out and Moses went to do the things that God had called Moses to do, he eventually, he went from, I don't know you, I can't speak, to God, show me your glory. And it took the situation getting worse and worse and worse and worse and him having to draw closer to God and closer to God and closer to God to eventually they had the first Passover to eventually he led the people through the Red Sea. That's another sermon for another day. But things got worse before they got better. And this is just the, the, the first steps of the evolution of his faith in God. This is the kindergarten of it. The turning aside and saying, God, here I am. That's the kindergarten of our faith. Forgive me, y'all. I'm getting a little excited. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride a donkey. And he went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took, watch this, 
the staff of God in his hand. This is the first time that is referred to as the staff of God. When Moses made up in his mind he was going to do God's will, that thing that he had in his hand, it became God's. God's staff, which means God is responsible for it at this point. Now here, listen, Moses continued to stumble along the way as he walked with God and walked in faith. As a matter of fact, if we were, if we were to read a few verses down, we see that God was about to was about to kill Moses. So Moses was constantly learning, constantly learning, using that staff for the wrong things at times uh, as they were going through the wilderness. And so for reflection, we're closing. Moses made a ton of excuses. Perhaps you're making excuses right now for why you can't do what God's calling you to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to present your excuse before God. If you're saying, God, I'm unworthy. God, I don't know enough about you. God, what if they don't listen to me? God, what if no one wants to hear? God, God, I don't have ability. I can't. Listen, if God is asking you to do something and you feel like you can do it in your own strength, I strongly recommend you to go back to God and reevaluate that thing. Or if you're saying, God, I don't want to do it, send someone else. I want you to identify one of those five things. And I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray, God, help me. God, comfort me. God, speak to me. And again, let me give it one more time. If it's I am not worthy, I'm not qualified, pray about that. And turn to Exodus 3. Turn to Exodus 3, verses 11 through 13. And see what God will speak to you right now in his word. See what he will speak to you about his presence. If it's God, I don't know enough about you. Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Go to his word and see what God will say to you about who he is. About him saying, I am the self-existent in God. And I am everything that you need me to be. And if you're worried about God, they just won't listen to me. They never listen to me. I want you to read in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And see what God is saying to your heart concerning those scriptures. And if you're thinking to yourself, God, I have no ability. God, like Moses, I'm slow at speech. God, I can't. I can't. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. And finally, God, I just don't want to send somebody else. 
Exodus 4, 13 through 15. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.